I'm Karen Wright, and it is 934. Joining me now for our Master Gardener segment is our good friend, Barb Lamson. Good morning. Hey there, Karen. And it's a cold, crisp morning. Yes, it is. Oh, my goodness. I, you know, um, we have heated seats in our car. Yes, I do too and, now. And that is a very good thing for us it Minnesota is. people. <laughs> and you know, my daughter in the South, not only does she have heated seats, but she also has air-conditioned seats. Well, she's in the South. What's the deal? Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> you don't need heated seats in the but South. In the summer, when it gets Oh, in the summer, to, yeah, I'll bet. Yeah. The humidity is 90 and the, yeah. and the temperature is 95. Yes, you you get into your car. Air conditioning, yeah. After a day of hard work and those leather seats, they're just heated up otherwise. Nothing like a cool butt. That's right. <laughs> yeah, what, what's important after all. Right. Right. So, Barb, Valentine's Day is coming up, you know, and I was just thinking, are people getting a lot of flowers and things? Because you just watch the roses that have been oh, maybe $20 or less per dozen, all of a sudden they're going to be zoom. Yeah, right. So, you know, this is what I think. Get flowers maybe before Valentine's Day because it's a better deal and then you're not just like everybody else. Well, I think the florists would appreciate that too. Because just spread it out, yeah. That, that's the biggest day that they have. You know, there's nothing really magical about the 14th. You can exactly. celebrate it anytime. I mean, exactly. That's, that's a good idea. Yeah. Just be sure that if you're buying anything in this cold weather, have it double bagged. Oh, yeah. Get it home. I just can't stress that enough. I mean, even don't stand with your door open if you have plants close to the door. Yeah, those drafts will get them. And, oh. and I found putting them near a vent with the heat really dries them up too that i've i've yes, had a few yes. that i put a little too close and they dry out faster than you think so those are things to watch for in the winter you know i know it's not gardening season per se but it's always gardening season for in us our it world. Is. Yeah. yes yes <laughs> you know um i have been writing um i have a uh what is it called? Sonic vaporizer, putting a fine mist humidifier. Kind uh, of it thing? is, okay. it is, and I've been moving it around oh. from the south to the north, to the east. Nothing on the west side, and uh, for the plants daily. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I do. I I move it around and and it sprays a nice mist and 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 that helps keep them healthy too. But uh, you know, it's not only. Um, the house plants that suffer, but um, it's everything. I was uh, the news was just filled with the storm that's going on in Texas and Oklahoma and Arkansas. I think uh, three hundred and forty thousand people in Texas are without electricity. Oh my. Wow, that's that's a real hardship, and uh, you know it gets cold there too. And if you don't have heat in your house, it probably seems like forever waiting for the electric well especially for them they're not prepared you know like we at least wrap our pipes or have them buried but down there if they get that cold their pipes will burst and that's you know not something they not prepared for yes yes that is so true and with the ice that they've had you know they had so many outages caused by uh, the breaking limbs hitting the lines it's it looks like in the future we might have to bury all the electrical lines if this is going to be a problem a lot of it's because of climate change as we know yes and i'm glad you mentioned that because uh uh senator uh friends from north mankato Mm -hmm. is heading up the uh a new bill on climate change in the uh in the state and um, it's interesting. He said, uh, you know, hey, have no doubts. 
climate change is here and it's staying. I mean, so what we have to do is we have to look at uh, reducing our greenhouse gases. And uh, during, um, I think it was from uh, 2020, uh, 2005 to 2010, we had a reduction or maybe it was 15, we had a reduction of about 23% in greenhouse gases. And uh, What was that attributed to? <clears throat> well, um, if I have the dates right, which I, I should look at my notes instead of uh, always <laughs> thinking I know everything <laughs> offhand. But um, uh, one of the things that happened, people stopped driving as much when COVID hit. Well, that, and, was, that was in 2020, though. Yeah, that was 2020, but... Uh, and before that, um, I, I don't know why, if gas went up, that, that wasn't part of this news story that I was watching. Anyway, we have to get back to uh, what can we do, you know? Uh, and it's just, it's just not us alone. There are uh, 20 states uh, that are formed on this for reducing uh, um, um the greenhouse gases, mm -hmm. and that's the um, clean energy. Uh, these, this alliance um, with uh, 20 states or 21 states and the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico have agreed that in the next few years they're reducing by a certain percentage, and now that's what we're saying too. And uh, according to Mr. Friends, well, now this bill I was just looking at it. You know, it says it just came out. Um Yesterday, it says Minnesota Senate makes energy and climate history. It says the 100% clean energy bill commits all utilities to provide Minnesota customers with 100% yep. carbon-free electricity by 2040 with compliance benchmarks every five years. So the Senate debated and voted on the version of the bill that passed the Minnesota House on January 26th and was authored by House Majority Leader Jamie Long with uh, 34 co-authors. So uh, it's among a number of things that they're working toward, which is good to good yes. to hear. Yes, yes, exactly. And you know, the thing of it is, uh, you're going to hear a lot of debate, uh, pros and cons, right. on uh, what we need to do, who's going to pay for this. And the thing of it is, everybody's going to have to pay for this. That There's just no one answer here. But the thing is, we need to do individually as much as we can to reduce greenhouse gases. We just absolutely, there's a role we can make. I was thinking about this. You know, I opened up uh, a little basket of uh, mushrooms that I was going to use, okay. was cooked with last night. And it was in a plastic container and had a plastic film on top. And that plastic film and those uh, plastic bags, those things get in our oceans. They are so devastating to uh, our fish, all our aquatic life. Well, you there. know those stretchable plastics, though? Our church has been collecting those and anything that's a stretchable, filmy plastic mm -hmm. or the, the packaging things, we've actually been collecting them and they make them into those benches, recycled benches. Yeah. So we've got one outside our church now, which is really cool because I know we've been cereal bags of your cereal, but it has to be the kind of the stretchy stuff, not like right. the chip bags, which are, they're kind of plasticky, but they don't stretch. Yeah, that's another way where people can get involved through their church. There's um, there's a bunch of churches, I think, that do that. It's responsible uh, congregations and what they can mm -hmm. do. You know, I, I checked to find out if those 
uh, you see plastic outside and the ultraviolet hits it and it starts getting... Breaking down, yeah. Breaking down. It, it can't be recycled again. Right. I mean, you can recycle it into that once, but then that's it. Well, at least that's something. It would keep it out of um, the oceans and out of the landfills for, you know, a long, long time. Right. You know, another thing, talking about individuals and what you can do, this is something I am planning on doing this spring, Barb. I'm going to create an eco-lawn. Yes, and we that and makes I have, two of us. That, yeah, well, you and I have <clears> talked <throat> about that. So I was doing some research, and there are actually eco-lawn mixtures. You know, one of the things I've been doing is I've been adding clover to right. my current grass, but they actually have mixes of grass. And the cool thing is, I mean, it really does save you. I mean, it grows a lot slower. It's nice grass. It's a lot finer um, blades. And and you don't have to, it just grows a lot slower, but it can crowd out the weeds. Um, and it yields a big savings as a lawn alternative by eliminating or reducing the need for pesticides, fertilizers, and frequent watering or mowing. They're slow growing, deep rooted, that's the key, and they're fescues. They established even in low nutrient soil. So if you've got crappy <coughs> dirt, I mean, even then they'll grow and it's a reduced need for summer watering, of course, makes it less uh, attractive than irrigated lawns for pests like the lawn grubs uh, and their larvae that feed on turf grass roots. So it sure. helps to eliminate some problems and also, um, you know, gives you saves money. You don't have to mow nearly as much or water, which is a huge thing now as we're learning to be water conservative. But you can buy them like Prairie Moon Nursery is a nursery in Minnesota that sells natives. Right, right. And they actually have a mixture and it's actually called a low maintenance lawn blend or eco grass. And there's different places that do it. Make sure it's appropriate for our right. climate, our zone. But I mean, I'm going to overseed. Right. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to core aerate this Spring right. usually you get coriolanate in the fall, but I'm gonna do it in the spring, and then I'm going to um, sprinkle the overseed this this grass and clover, and then you, I'm gonna take some like a compost and just you know kind of lightly sprinkle it so the seeds have good uh, soil to seed right. contact, and then you'll have to, at first you'll have to keep a water till it gets started, right? And then <clears throat> it'll, you know yeah, um, Dave did that in our lawn last fall. And with so, special seeds, or yes, with, oh. with with special seed with a combination. Okay, and uh, he was able to buy that locally, so so that was good. But um, uh, the soil when he aerated, when he took those plugs out, it was like drilling into the cement. I mean, the the lawn was hard and very very. Well, compacted. it's been so dry last year too. It was oh, terrible. it was yeah. just it was terrible. Well, this stuff can actually because of the long roots and deep roots, it actually loosens the soil and makes sure, it, a it better. Yeah. you know, it can it can get through hard clay. They even say. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It doesn't. You know, can you imagine with Kentucky blue and and also the uh, perennial rye that we've been putting in? That isn't a good choice anymore either. That it, that's not one of the recommended ones. So although they do say sometimes if you're on a slope or a hillside, some of those I think even the annual rise you can plant with your seeds to help get okay. it started, yeah, so the seeds don't all wash away. That's quite that's different. different. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. But uh, this our grass. I mean, we had we had big spots in our grass, and and that was just a, a standard lawn. We had introduced uh, different things at different times, just simply because I don't like a carpet. I like, you know, if you have um, turf grass, which is Kentucky blue and and rye and a mix of a few other little things, 
Uh, it just it's green. That's what it is. That's what you get. Right. You get just a nice, yeah, even looking lawn. But and, I like green. That's why one of the reasons you know because your typical t- Kentucky bluegrass does go dormant and turns brown. So by having clover in mind, mine stayed green all summer, whereas right. other people that just had Kentucky's theirs was brown. I agree. So I agree. that's you know I do like the green. I, w- I like I like green, but I I don't just like this look of a carpet turf. it looks it's artificial. like a turf yeah yeah it like does. a football field and you know what was going on there but our lawn really needed it and dave put a lot of effort into that and then he did after he receded he um put down uh some of our compost mm-hmm. on that then watered it and um i hope we get something i i hope that i don't know uh, ideally it it seems like we should have uh Worked it up more, almost taken the whole lawn out and worked it up, put in more organic matter. Well, that's what they're saying for some of these <coughs> eco lawns. They're saying, you know, sometimes if you've already got like the Kentucky bluegrass or something, sometimes it's best to start almost from scratch because otherwise it's harder for them to get started. And it then, is. And so one of the things they do say, if I'm going to overseed, you'll have to keep doing it for three or four years till it finally takes over. So that's well, that's, that's good to know. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to be disappointed because... Uh, uh, you know, in our family, I happen to be the flower person. <laughs> My husband is the lawn person. Plus, he really loves raising vegetables, and we both like raising vegetables, too. What's your son, then? Because I know he's in Alaska <coughs> raising all kinds <coughs> oh, of stuff. Oh, he, he's, he's um, Asiatic lilies. lilies. Oh, okay. He's a big lily man. My and, son, Grant, is, too. <coughs> yep. Right. And also, he loves to raise uh, um, daffodils and tulips and... Uh, yeah, he just he loves being outside. Just you know, it's it's interesting how I don't know. Um, I've always been interested in gardening because my grandmother was. Well, same here with my mom and my my <clears throat> yeah. grandma and yeah, we used to help back when grandma used to dig the the hills for the potatoes and then at our home that's yeah. our, that was our job. Yeah, well you know, and we would help our mother in the vegetable garden. Well, we didn't have any choice. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's you, you were told what you're going to do. But I mean, it became a thing that you enjoyed doing, and uh, and I guess it's the same with our children because David's parents lived in the country on um, on the home place, and we had a big five acre garden out there, and we would take the kids out with us, and they had to help so long in the garden, and then then they could go up to the house. And Grandma would have ginger snap cookies for them and Welch's grape juice, which was their favorite thing. So that got them in the garden and then uh, only for so long, but then they were done. But that was great. You know, another thing I was thinking about that we need to do is uh, if you go past uh, one of the public schools, they need to do a better job of selecting trees that are hardy. Yeah. And and more plantings. It, um, it looks like there was a plan where each school had so many trees and that was it, you know, just a number or something. Well, I know that the city, I've talked with folks from the city about this, and and they're actually working to try to have people plant fewer maples because we're getting too many of those, like we've had too many ash and too many elms and things. So they are working with the community in terms of the tree selection. In fact, Minneapolis just had a really interesting uh, tree program where they have a lottery and there's up to 800 trees where people can get them for like 30 bucks, which is, you know, normally we're paying up to $200 for a tree. And they have certain selected that they know are good 
for the environment and for our changing climate. So this is your list to pick from. So I think that's a really cool thing, but you have to get in a lottery because there's so, you know, so many trees and sure. so many people sure. like it. But I just think that's a great program that um, that cities can do to help and not say, well, you know, I want a maple. I want a maple. I want a maple. Sure. And maples are beautiful. There's nothing against them, but it's going to be like the other things, like the ash, all of a sudden too many. And right, right. now uh, I talked with, oh, I forget his name from the, the city, that there's so many more maples now that that's going to be the next problem if we of don't course. get diverse. Sure. See, I want to go, we just got a text from someone, uh, we were just chatting about that eco lawn and somebody said shade tolerant. And all eco lawns are not shade tolerant. No. That is the thing you will have to get specific seeds for. So, I mean, you can't do, it's not, it's like other things. It's just not a blanket saying that, well, everything is going to be sun or shade, mm-hmm. you might have to get some different seed for some of those shady sure, areas. Sure, And again, I think that maybe, you know, if if it doesn't look really great the first year, maybe you should take out the old lawn and start all over again. You know, put some organic matter in. You know, Karen, something I noticed in the paper this morning, I was reading the obituaries, and <laughs> <clears throat> this um, uh, family of this gentleman that died said in lieu of flowers, they would like people to plant trees in memory of him. And I thought, yes, that is a good idea. Why not? And and if you live in an apartment or or townhouse or something where you can't plant trees, why not uh, pay to have a tree planted someplace else? You know, the master gardeners, we we plant trees in in memory to different people, sure. and I know the city does that too. So inquire of our city and see if they still have that program, where you can uh, memorialize a tree. Well, now my uh, husband's <coughs> stepmother, his his parents uh, died, in, but he has a stepmom still alive, and she when she sends the boys something for their birthday, she sends it. Um, it's a contribution to some place that plants a tree. In That's their a name, great yeah, idea. and I don't know where they are at. I don't know. She's in Florida, for example, but yeah. I mean, it's just a cool thing because they don't need more stuff. No, no, and just like a lot of older people, you don't need more stuff. But I mean, just think you get you're helping the environment, and I like that idea. Well, so there's another idea, and then of course the whole thing is, um, we now have no more May in Mankato, mm-hmm. and I haven't heard anything about it recently, but I understand that Wednesday night they were going to be discussing it, so we'll oh, okay. we'll get an update on that. But uh, uh, if if we all could just, even if you could only do no more May for a couple of weeks, just try it. Well, yeah, because if you've got things like the Kentucky bluegrass, it's going to keep growing because that's sure. what it's meant to do. So you might have to mow in May. Others, it's just going to get too too uh, unruly. But if you have the ecograss, you really don't have to mow those that much. And, and the you- thing we're interested in here, besides saving on water, is uh, uh, that you're not running a lawnmower if you have a uh, one that's gas powered right. and putting all those fumes uh, up into the uh, in- Oh, and they really do. You can tell. I mean, if, when I use, <clears throat> uh, we've got gas powered still and mm-hmm. you can really tell <laughs> those are, and they're so loud too. That's noise You pollution. have to get a nice quiet electric one. You will never go back to the other one. When my husband's mowing the lawn I don't, don't even, even know it. You. No, no, you don't. I mean, it's just, it's a real savings. Of course, you have to have the batteries that you recharge. So. And they're getting better. That's the thing. Yes. You know, I've been doing a lot of these environmental stories <coughs> on my Everyday is Earth Day segment, and they're talking about all the time how the batteries <coughs> have been an issue in the past, but they are improving so they'll last longer. And I mean, the, there's been, it's kind of like anything else. You hear it's bad. You're like, oh, I'm not going to go that way. But right. sometimes things change.
Yeah, that's well. Look at how they've improved cars. Oh my goodness! So you get better mileage now. They're more efficient. They're they're not polluting like they used to. Just think, we used to burn lead gas, and you, if you were walking on the street, you know, and it was uh, rush hour and people were idling at the stop mm-hmm. sign, you almost had to, uh, you know, hold your breath or turn around and go the other direction. It was so terrible. So Barb, I see a lot of people are are. Uh getting antsy because spring fever is getting to us because it's February which January February seem like they're the longest months of the year and I know it's still too early to plant some seeds but there are some you can plant now so I just wanted to bring that up in case anybody's really <coughs> antsy and wants to do something and isn't it now about when you start your onion seeds or not yeah, yeah I think it is I think it's it's February now okay so yeah you know I never uh plant my onions uh, from seed. I always buy the bulbs. Oh, you uh, do? Okay. Can I buy the little plantlets? They're the little... I don't buy those either. Oh, see, now I've had better luck with those than the bulbs. Okay. And and I have better luck with the bulbs. And Harvey yeah. starts them from seeds, and he yes, has better luck with that. and he's our guy who right. uh, it, it just plants them. I think he plants them in sphagnum, and um, they take off every year for him. Yeah, but I just get the little bunches <laughs> that are the... I mean, they're they're hardly bigger than... I don't know. I know. And they have these really fine root hairs. Yeah, and those are the ones that I, I really have liked. And you have to wait till they come. They'll come in the greenhouse, and I'll just wait. And and they'll usually get them about the right time to plant them because that's the thing. You can go before, and if it's not the right time, they <coughs> won't have them. So that's the nice thing about that. But as far as you're planting your garden and seeds, it's uh, still too early to plant most of them. But you can think about getting your... Um, your things already the 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 potting mix yeah. it's a seed starting mix and I have noticed that in some of the seed catalogs some of the things are already out of stock mm-hmm. so if you had your heart set on something because I noticed there's something I really wanted that was all of a sudden it was gone so what I'll have to do is I found another company that sells it <laughs> so oh, you know. sure sure yeah so yeah. that's the thing that to keep in mind and most people just want your basic stuff and that's available at sure. any store you know the other thing is there's lots of information available online for free and one of the things that I got it which I think is just so absolutely excellent is um, a pollinator list and what it does it describes the the color of the plant, um, uh, the size of the plant, and uh, just the growing habits. And then it puts it into a category. Is this for an early, for pollinators, or mid-season? Blooming, yeah, when it blooms. Or mid-late or late. And and so that you should try, if you're going to have pollinators, to have something blooming all season long. Right. And this is from the Xerxes Society. All you have to do is go to www.xerxes Society, and you've got full color page. Well, you know, the DNR does that, has a list like that. So does Metro Blooms, which sure. is the one who implemented the Lawns to Legues programs. And I was just talking with Barb before we got on the air. I was a recipient of the Lawns <coughs> to Legumes grant and planted a shoreline pollinator uh, garden which is, of course uh, it, it starts really blooming early with some I've got some iris down there that start blooming and I've got some that go as late as you know things like the asters but all summer long there's some color and that's the best way to do it and I think you laughed at me and a lot of people laughed at me did I tell you I planted some dandelions oh uh, well there were pink ones yes I planted pink dandelions and they tend to like to bloom early as well and they are so beautiful I started them from seed from the uh, Baker Creek 
heirloom seeds and that's one thing the Baker Creek offers a lot of the heirloom stuff and so you think well why would she plant dandelions they're everywhere well these are pink and they've got a nice little delicate yellow in the middle and they're so pretty and they're supposedly if you want to eat the leaves which I, I I'm not a big dandelion but they're they're more tender and less bitter than regular dandelions so this spring it'll be neat to see them come back because they they grew so big did you see them last year no i didn't see them um, oh they were just... i was out for grant's graduation were they blooming then uh, i don't think so that was either. probably too late yeah right. right but but then they so what happens is then they like other dandelions when it gets real hot they kind of quit and then they come back in the fall yeah you know our pollinators are so important to agriculture uh we we have to have the bees we have to have all of these things that carry pollen around from one plant to another. And you know, one thing to watch out for is plants that have flowers that have doubles, like double Asiatic lilies, things like that. They don't have the good pollen that the the uh, insects need. So I know they're really a lot more pretty. So maybe you plant a few of those, sure. but make sure you've got the single ones because sometimes the doubles have it bred. They're bred out of having oh, that sure. pollen. Do you know um, the amaryllis? <laughs> You love I, your amaryllis, I, I know. I do. But you know, and the ones that have started blooming now, the other day I had a good blouse on. Uh-oh. And I was just uh, just looking at it and turning it. And, you know, in the winter, when you're depending on the sun to come through the window, you keep turning the plant around in clockwise fashion, about right. a quarter turn every single day. And, uh, and, and this will keep things blooming evenly, which is very, very nice. But... What do you think I had on my shirt sleeve? Uh, you had pollen all over it, and it is really hard to get off, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. I couldn't, I mean, I've had it on before, and I've had white shirts that now have yellow blotches all over it. Uh, yeah, I, w- I was surprised. I, I'm going to watch the rest of these amaryllis that I've got, because this is one of the newer varieties, and the pollen, I mean, it just fell off. It was yellow, and it made yeah. a... It, it, it was lilies are notorious for that. Those big uh, trumpet lilies and things oh, like that. They, yes. uh, so you know that's why when you know Easter lilies, they're another variety of lily that will of course be soon in March coming right. up. They have those big anthers with the the pollen, and they will make a mess. And also, if you're allergic, so yes. a lot of times you should cut those off. Just cut them off. Yeah, because uh, you're not going to. A breed lot them. of times the nurseries will do that for you. True. So yeah, I I wouldn't even be able to take one of those home in my car. Uh, by the time I got home, I would probably be coughing and sneezing yeah. from from that pollen. Uh, that lilies are really strong. Sometimes in the church, when they when they have a lot of them, um, and they'll put them down the aisle or yeah. all the way across the front, that can really be overwhelming. Yeah, see ours, we cut them. We yeah, have a, a, somebody you. who is smart there and, and knows that they should cut them. So, well, Barb, we are out of time, but it's always great to have you in the studio. I want to thank you for coming in, and I know you're going to probably... Oh, I know, this weekend... It is tomorrow is the Minnesota Hosta Association's meeting. It's our winter meeting. It starts at 2 o'clock to 5 o'clock, and it is at the Lindale, Bachman's on Lindale Mm -hmm. in the Twin Cities. And they're going to have a speaker come in, and she's going to talk about uh, Beyond HVX, that's Virus X, Mm -hmm. and talk about petiole and crown rot, a common problem with hosta. So if you're a big hosta lover... This is a great opportunity to learn more. And, of course, I'll be there because I'm, you know. Because they, they uh, anybody is welcome oh, to that. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And it's free. That's a cool it's thing. It's free. Absolutely. You get lots of good information. I know you them. didn't want to travel up there, but I'm going to fill yeah. you in. Yes. I'm going to be uh, home. I hope I'm going to be baking a pie for my husband.
Okay. <laughs> that sounds good, per too. Per request. That <laughs> sounds great. Well, Barb, it's always great to have you on the show. We will chat with you later. Thanks, Karen. All right. Bye-bye. It's one minute past 10. You're listening to a Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio 89.7 FM in Mankato and KMSK 91.3 FM in Austin. Online at KMSU.org. Broadcasting from the campus of Minnesota State University Mankato.